Hey everyone, welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Loren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. In this episode, we are thrilled to have Melanie Hadfield sharing her insights on how she effectively manages a busy schedule in the dance studio. Melanie is the principal and studio owner at Starlight Academy in Leeds, England. Mel's love for dance and acro started at the young age of two at her mum's dance school, where she specialized in ballet and competitive gymnastics. Her talent earned her three scholarships to the prestigious Yorkshire Ballet Seminars and even a ballet solo performance for royalty. She went on to train at Northern Dance, Leeds Dance College, and Merseyside Dance and Drama College, completing teaching exams with the ISTD. As a professional dancer, she traveled the world and gained fellowship qualifications qualifications with the ISTD and ABD. Melanie is an approved tutor, dual examiner, TDCI adjudicator, and as acro has always been a passion, Mel was delighted to join acrobatic arts as an examiner and course conductor. As principal of Starlight Academy, Melanie shares her passion for dance and acro daily and continues to train as a dance professional. Melanie Hadfield, hello and welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. Hi, thank you. Now, I already went through your bio, which is pretty impressive, I must say. And I love that we have you on right now because you are going through something as a studio director and owner that a lot of studio owners go through, and that is you are switching studios. And I know this is a busy time for you, but can you just tell us a little bit of what's happening right now in your life? Yes, certainly. Um, so I finished, I've been at the, my current studios for 15 years. It was a woolen mill. So I put the electric in it, I've built the walls, I put the floors in and we've now got to the term and we've got to move out. So we've eventually managed to find some more premises, which instead of putting walls in, I'm now taking walls out of the next place um, and redoing ceilings and floors and yeah, moving out on Friday move into the new place Saturday. So it's pretty crazy, but good. The new place is much better. So I'm, I'm very excited. Wow. Well, again, thank you because I know that is a busy time. And one of the biggest questions we get when we take teachers and studio owners through module one, our course module one, is how do we fit it all in? And especially when you're trying to balance competitions, conventions, exams, recitals, do you have any tips for how to get that all in there? Um, yeah, so I keep my acro classes separate. So my competition team practice their acro solos completely separately. Um, so my acro classes, I do have mixed ability in my classes. Um, I'd already got acro classes running before I joined Acrobatic Arts. So it's just continued. And I just find it fits with my timetable because... If my girls are doing grade three ballet in one studio, then they can't all necessarily they're not all necessarily at the same level for their ballet as they are for their acro. So they just they just have to stay with their groups for the evenings for the, the timetabling work. But honestly, it works really well. You can you can differentiate really easily in acro classes. I keep the technique 
I will do some choreography in my classes, but we, we mainly go for technique and perfecting and learning new skills. And then I, I keep all my competition work separate because not all my students do competitions. So I find that that works much better and they have a separate time to do that. We can really perfect their, their competition work separately. And then choreography wise, when we're coming up to a show, I do use my classes. We'll, we'll learn the routine relatively quickly so that I can still use half my class to do skills. And then the other half will do the choreography. And I only put skills into the choreography that they've already perfected. So we don't, we don't try and put new skills into the choreography. So like last night, I did a new balance. And I said to my girls, Francesca and Ellie, I was like, absolutely remind me to put that in, in the show routine because it was brilliant and they were really good at it. So we've already perfected it and that's going to go in. So they know that they've already got that in the routine. Ah, I see. So when you are organizing your dance classes for the studio, you keep everyone in their age group and in their classes so that they move together with each other. Is that correct? Roughly, yeah, to, to, to some extent. I, it's, a, it's a juggling act. Um, I have three studios running at once. So for instance, my commercial classes are by age. Tonight, for example, I have all my commercial jazz classes. So they, they do, the juniors do commercial, then they do acro, and then they do conditioning. And then my seniors, we, we, we flip it all around. So for that, from that point of view, they do stay in their age groups because so many other classes we do so many different freestyle classes like your commercial and your cheerleading and the acro so they do tend to stay with their age groups and then I have assistants you need really good assistance so that you can differentiate in the class you know most of the studios that I've worked for we do that as well keep it with the age groups and then you teach multi levels within the age groups yeah 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 it would be lovely, wouldn't it? I think if you could have all your level ones in one class and all your level twos, but it just, there isn't enough time or studio space to do that, unfortunately. Right. That would be in a perfect acro world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found it interesting for your choreography, you really only put in what they can do well, which is smart, because mm -hmm. it'll probably look a lot cleaner right away. But then if I understood you correctly, if you're in class and you're working on something new that they can do, then an idea pops in your head and you're like, hey, we could put that in the routine because you're doing it well. Yeah, definitely. So my um, school show is in November. So I haven't we haven't started doing the choreography yet, but I'm already getting ideas of what we're going to do so that you can pencil it in and know that they're going to be fantastic at it by the time it comes to the show. We do a show every year. They do lots of other performances as well. Um, so I don't want to take up my whole class doing choreography for the show because they lose the technique. I want them to keep up with the technique. That's really important to keep doing. And, and the stamina um, and the conditioning. So they need to keep doing that in the classes as well. And ultimately, there are always some students that don't want to do the show. So it's not compulsory or they might be away. So I don't want those students to feel that there's no point coming to class. I want them to get a benefit from the class as well. Exactly. Now, on top of your acro classes and your choreography, you also do acro exams. And I'm sure you do a lot of other genres exams at your studio as well. What do you think are the benefits for your students participating in exams? Uh, exams are, are amazing. They, they are so, so, so beneficial. We do them in ballet, tap, modern, 
Acre, we've just started doing musical theatre and contemporary. So we, we do a lot, but um, the benefits and the improvements that they make by doing a, an exam are just brilliant. It just pushes them that extra little step. You know, there might be something they just don't really like doing. So when it comes to maybe the backwards roles, they're like, oh, I can't do these. And they don't they don't really put the effort in. But if they know do, doing an exam, they put the effort in and they master it and they improve at it. And then the next progression comes so much more easily when they've mastered um, that step prior. And exams just really motivate them. And they love the, they love the actual experience, the actual exams. They love going in, they love showing off what they can do. And then they get the certificates and hopefully the medals. It's a really positive experience. And you can really see the difference for those last few weeks before the exams coming up, that they really put that extra little bit of effort in. They'll practice at home and it, it makes them stronger and makes them better dancers, which especially in Afro, makes everything safer and they can progress onto the next level. So everybody's happy. They're happy, I'm happy, and the parents are happy. It's it's a really good experience. At your studio, are the exams mandatory? No. No. The way I do it, they because in ACRO, when they've done an exam, they don't change class. They only it just means that when we're working on the levels, they they take a different card and work on a different level, but they still come to the same timetable to class so some some can't do it if they're away or some don't want to do it or maybe can't afford to do exams so that it's not mandatory more and more do it every time the first few sessions that I did not as many did it and then next time they, they all more want to do it and then next time I'm doing they all want to do it um, because they see the ones that do do it improving and they see the excitement of the exam and the certificate so they do generally really want to do it, which is is a good thing. How do you think you fit the exam work in your studio schedule? Yeah, I do it every lesson. We do. Um, they don't even know that they're doing exam work. I fit it into, I mix it up. I don't always do the same. We don't just sort of read through the level one card, but I do lots of different things. I'll do some things if they've got something from the if they've got the down to bridge then they'll then start doing the down to bridge in the retire so they'll, they'll mix up the levels a little bit because some skills do come more easily and I think that comes from having a really good knowledge of the syllabus so I, I know what the progressions are and I know what what's in what level so it, I can sort of push them onto the next level without them realizing or they might be still doing something from the lower level because they've not quite perfected that but, and that's the exam that they're going to do um but yeah I do it every lesson mix it up, do different variations, make it into games, do it in the relay races, do it in the circuits, do it in lots of other classes as well. So the strength work particularly goes into all my conditioning classes. If I might do a relay warm-up in some in one of my um, commercial classes, so they might do the frog jumps, and they'll do the gallop. So we, we mix it up and use it in lots and lots of different classes as well. Um, I do a lot of conditioning classes in my school, we like to keep them nice and fit. So we do lots of this strength work in, in those classes. I'm a big believer that the studio owner needs to keep track of what the dance teachers are teaching so that you can fit in the different genres within the different classes. And, and that really is how you fit it all in because there just aren't that many hours in a week to have these dancers doing everything they need to do. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. And if I've got if I've got one particular group, I know my last set that I did, my tiny little ones were really struggling with the plank and they just they, they couldn't, they were up and down with the hips and they weren't quite getting into the right position. So I spoke to all my teachers 
and they put plank into all the warm-ups. So in all the classes that we're doing, even like in the ballet class, they're going to gallop round to warm up. They're going to do some skips. Now plank. And they just practised it so I can focus on particular groups with my other teachers. Um, so they, I'll give them instructions so they know what, what to incorporate into their classes as well. Do you think that you experienced any setbacks when you were trying to balance everything in your studio? And can you tell the listeners maybe some things that didn't work and how you figured out what was the right path for you? Yeah. So a couple of things, really, when I it's I've had a studio for, um, gosh, over 20 years. And I think when I first started, I really I, I went with the um, they all want to do an aerial or they want to do a triple pirouette. And I was I sort of succumbed to the pressure a little bit of, oh, yeah, let's work on that then. And skipping ahead too soon. Um, but you soon learn that actually if you just go through the progressions with all your genres, the results are so much better. And working out drills um, and training exercises to achieve those end goals are much better than trying to skip ahead too soon. So I think that's that's something that I was guilty of when I was a younger teacher, wanting them to achieve too much too soon and not necessarily understanding that they really need to do the progressions. And they actually will achieve more, better, if you go a little bit slower. And I also think initially when I first started, I did my exams. So I'd maybe do sort of a three or four day exam session um, once a year. And I very quickly decided that that was just like way too much. So what we now do, and I'm fortunate that I've got enough students to be able to split it, but I'll do maybe one or two days two or three times a year. So it's less students that you're trying to get ready for the exam. It means that there's, if they're not quite ready, that it's fine, that they don't panic that they're going to have to wait a whole year before they get to do the exam. I'll say, do you know what? We're just not quite ready yet. Wait till you've got your uh, inside out bridge or wait till you've got your pirouette and, and then we'll do it in the next one. It's only going to be a few months away. You can do it in the summer. Um, and they're much happier to make sure that they've, they've achieved the, the right goals in order to do the exam successfully because I do more sessions, but shorter days. And the other thing with the um, exams, the acrobatic arts exams are fantastic because if they can't do the session that you've got, I just wait and do the multi-studio. The multi-studio exams are a lifesaver because if they're on holiday or if they're poorly or if they're just not quite ready and you know that they would benefit from just waiting a few more weeks or another month, then they can do the multi-studio exam. They still stay with the peers. They still achieve the exam, but they, they can definitely be ready for it. So that's a really good a really good option. I wish all the ballet and tap did that as well, because that would be much easier. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, can you tell everyone what your studio does in a year? Like everything, everything that you do, competitions, conventions, exams, sort of run us through a year of what the studio does. Okay, so we do probably three sets of exams, as I said, with the ballet, tap, modern, acro, musical theatre and contemporary year. We do competitions. Competitions in the UK are a little bit haphazard. They used to be a bit more regular and then unfortunately in COVID they stopped and they're not quite, I'm not quite back into the routine. I used to know when each competition was, so we did set ones, but they're not quite back into the same schedule. So I'll probably do probably eight different festivals we call them a year we then also do dance world cup once a year 
we do a show, a big full school show at a big theatre once a year. And then we do maybe we have summer performances. So we go and do four or five of those. And then do you know what we used to go and do? Like and um, we have the option to go do sort of like a West End performance. So they they have like schools that go and join. You can dance at Disneyland Paris or go to dance in the West End. We used to do that once a year as well, but I've not done that since COVID. So I'm not sure I can fit that back in again now, but we used to do that as well. Well, that's a lot. You must be going 24-7 year round and your dancers are probably getting better because they are doing so much. Do you know what? Yeah, they love it. They, they really enjoy it. And we do have things at set times of the year. So a lot of the things like Dance World Cup, British Champs, English Championships, they are at set times. So we can plan for those. They're really good. I also do summer schools. So when we break up for the summer holidays, I do two separate weeks and I do those exactly the same week every year. So the parents now plan their holidays around our summer schools. So they get to come and do those as well. So planning and having that set routine is really good. Um, and then I do have a few other things that are a little bit more flexible depending on where they're at. And also depending on what I'm doing, you know, we we do have to have a life as well, just occasionally as studio owners. <laughs> I'm surprised you can fit that in, but I know you do. And that probably is part of the reason why you're so successful is that you do take a little bit of time for yourself and your family. And that is important. Just before we end, do you have any advice for new dance teachers? I mean, you've already given a, a ton, but or maybe some advice you would give to studio owners as well. Yeah. Do you know what? I, 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 my best advice would be to fly your own flag. Don't try and do what anybody else does. Look at other people, be friends with other studios. You know, I, I have lots of friends that run studios and we talk to each other and compare, but ultimately do what works for you. Don't think that you have to do what everybody else does. Find out what works best for you and what works best for your students. Believe in yourself to do it your way because that will be the best way. You will do your way better than any other way. I think that comes with age and confidence. Um, an experience but yeah fly your own flag and be confident but stay friends with the other studios because it's really good to talk to each other oh I love that I love that yeah yeah definitely yeah Mel you are in the UK and acrobatic arts does a lot of online courses and in-person courses and I believe you're teaching a few that are coming up this weekend, we've got um, a module one, which I'm teaching the online course. And then we've got our first module one live um, as well since COVID this weekend. So that's really exciting. That's happening um, down south. And myself and Miss Heather from Canada are doing the online one. So it's great that we're coming back in person so that we can see those teachers face to face. That's amazing. I didn't realize that this was going to be the first in person. Congratulations. Yeah. UK, way to go. Hopefully that starts and we get a lot more in person. If anyone's listening, if you want to take an acrobatic arts course, you might get the fabulous Mel Hadfield for one of your instructors. And we have lots of other great instructors in the UK. And Mel, I just want to thank you for all the fantastic advice that you've given in this podcast. And I really do think that all the teachers and studio owners will find you know, a little piece of something that they can use. 
I always say, even if you get one little idea, you know, it was worth your time listening. And I do want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule, switching studios to talk with me today. Uh, It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. Teachers, as Mel mentioned, there are some incredible opportunities being offered by Acrobatic Arts in the UK. The live online module one course is a must attend event for anyone looking to start or to enhance what you're already doing with your acro program. There are a number of dates coming up from May to July, providing plenty of opportunities to get certified wherever you are. And for those of you who have already completed module one, the aerial and back handspring workshop, as well as the module two courses are the perfect opportunity to continue your acrobatic arts education. These incredible events will take place in late July in Derby. But hurry, this is the last opportunity to take Module 2 in 2023. The next course won't be available until April of 2024. Visit acrobaticarts.com for more details on dates and registration. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.